Welcome to Fieldstone, everybody. My name is Justin. You saw a couple videos there before we jump in. First, Growth Track. If you're newer to Fieldstone, Growth Track 101 is your first next step. And that's going to happen today after this second service. So you're here for the first one. So if you want to jump in today, maybe go grab some brunch at McDonald's or something and come on back. That'll be happening about 12, 12.05, 12.10, somewhere in there. But the next one will be January 27. So if you can't come back today, that'll be available in a couple weeks as well. Just a great place to kind of hear uh, the answers to all the frequently asked questions. Who are we? What are we about? All that good stuff. So that's Growth Track. And then small groups. Uh, we launched our small group ministry this past fall. And we'll be relaunching our winter and spring groups here in a few weeks. And so today and next week, after both services, so after this service, we're going to have some folks around the room at their different spots. And you can uh, approach them and talk to them about small groups and, and what their group will be like and all that kind of stuff. So I'll have more information on that at the end. Uh, but just want to give you a heads up that that is coming. So today we're going to start old school, starting a sermon by reading Bible verses. Everybody okay with that? Doesn't matter if you're okay with it, because that's how I'm going to do it. <laughs> going, uh, going old school here. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. So we're jumping into a series over the next, man, this will be the longest series we've ever done. Maybe the longest series we'll ever do. It's going to be about 12 weeks going through what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, first, the book of Matthew. This is the, the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew, depending on how you want to read it. Um, but it was written by a guy named Francis. No, that's not true. It was written by Matthew, who was actually a disciple of Christ. So he saw Jesus' ministry. He heard, he heard Jesus' teaching firsthand. So this is an eyewitness of the things that Jesus did and said and everywhere that he went. And as Matthew sat down to write this, he had an audience in mind of mostly Jewish people, people who grew up with the Old Testament, people who grew up with the traditions of that faith. And he basically has a big purpose in writing this gospel and writing this book. His main purpose is to convince them that Jesus is the fulfillment of the entire biblical narrative up to that point. So these people knew the prophecies. They knew the Old Testament scriptures. They were waiting for a Messiah. And Matthew writes this to convince them that that's who Jesus was. He's, he's an authoritative teacher. He's like all the Old Testament prophets that they grew up respecting and listening to and honoring. And he says, just like you honored them, just like you respect them and listen to their writings, I want you to listen and honor and respect Jesus in that same way. But as much as he's a prophet, he's more than a prophet. He's the Messiah we've been waiting for. He's the one that all those other prophets have been talking about for all these thousands of years. He's the one we've been waiting for. And not only that, he's not just a man Messiah. He's God. And so Jesus arrives on the scene and announces his arrival and the arrival of God's kingdom. And he announces that he's come to rescue the world and fix what's broken and create a new family of followers who believe in him. And so in this book of Matthew, this special moment gets dropped right in the middle, and we call it the Sermon on the Mount for, that, for the exact reason that it says, Jesus went up on the mountainside and began to teach them. And basically he says, this is what life in the new kingdom is going to look like. It's backwards. It's a little bit upside down. It's different than what they might have expected. But everyone is invited. And in the midst of that, the life is a different kind of a life, and it's lived for a different kind of a kingdom. And so um, as we see there in, in verses 1 and 2, this, this sermon was really aimed at his closest followers, the people who were in, 
people who at least thought that they were in were contemplating being in. But what we see is that the crowds are listening in. This is kind of like a, a live look-in. Uh, if you watch sports, sometimes they'll, they'll have a camera in the locker room and the coach will be doing his pregame speech. That speech is to his players, but we kind of get to look in on what's going on. Or sometimes uh, if you watch the news, heaven help you if you do, uh, but sometimes they'll do a look in on a, on a meeting in the Oval Office, whether it's the president and the opposing party or president and his party. It's for them. I think sometimes it's for show, but it's for them. But we get to kind of look in on that conversation. That's basically what's happening here. This, this sermon is targeted towards those who would claim to follow Christ, but we all get to kind of look in and see what Jesus is talking about here. And, and he says, this is what it's going to look like to follow me. This is, what it's gonna, this is what I'm going to be expecting of you as my followers. And, and not only is this how you experience the full life that I've brought to give you, this is how you live it in front of the world. This is how you live the truth. This is how you live as a tangible embodiment of the kingdom of God. And any of you who might be listening on the outside, he kind of gives this as a little teaser to the crowd as well. Anybody who's listening in, maybe you're reading it centuries later, in case this looks like just the fun, popular thing to jump in on, maybe it, maybe it seems like a good idea because there's lots of crowds around me right now. Jesus says, I want you to think again before you dive in. Listen to what I have to say and then decide if this is something you want because it's very different than what you were expecting of me. This is a very different kingdom than what you thought was coming. And so you have this Sermon on the Mount. And if you were to continue through the book of Matthew, then it starts to get into stories and examples and parables of how the kingdom impacts our everyday life, how kingdom living is different. And so Jesus says things aren't going to be easy. And, and even though many will believe, there are going to be a lot of people who don't believe and respond negatively to this because this message and this kingdom are very different. And the kind of followers are going to be very different. And Jesus' realities won't always match expectations. They certainly didn't match expectations there. It's not about earthly battles. It's not about earthly victories that many of them thought it was going to be about. It's about humbling himself to a cross and saving not only a nation of people, but the entire world for eternity. And he presents the biggest upside-down act where instead of people paying for their own sin, Jesus takes the punishment for us, and the perfect king becomes the perfect sacrifice. And so some overall themes that we're going to see in, in the Sermon on the Mount, three big themes that we're going to kind of circle back to almost every week. One of them is this, and I've already said it. This is what the kingdom looks like, and it's probably not what you expect. It's certainly not what they expected at the time. Number two, the bar has been raised. There's going to be a lot of statements by Jesus where he says, you've heard it said, but I say... And what he's doing is saying, listen, this is how you've grown up. This is what you've been believing. This is what you thought was true, but I'm taking it to a new level. And so this is great, but I say do this. And it's a bar-raising experience. It's a bar-raising challenge. This might be fine right now, but if you're going to follow me, if you're going to embody the kingdom of God, this is what I'm expecting of you. It's a different kind of a life. So that's a big one. And then number three, Jesus says, someday it's all going to be like this. You read through the Sermon on the Mount. It's difficult, it's challenging, it's bar-raising. But as much as I want you to live this way right now, this is what the kingdom will look like when God comes in all of his glory at the end. No more murder, no more pain, no more cheaters, no more broken promises, no revenge, no unmet needs, no more liars and manipulators, no more uncertainty, no more foolishness. 
when God's kingdom comes in all its glory, this is what it's going to look like. So as we go through this over the next few months, um, I'm hoping for a couple of things. I'm hoping, one, that you'll maybe learn something. Right? Uh, typically, my, my, my goal in preaching on a Sunday morning is for transformation, not for information. But there's going to be some good information. So those of you who kind of come at, at faith and scripture from a little bit of an intellectual mindset, this will be good. We'll throw out some little nuggets that'll, that'll mess with you a little bit. Second thing, I'm hoping to create some tension through this series. Right? Some of the tension is going to come right from the black and white things that Jesus says, like, this is how it is, this is what I'm saying, this is who I am, this is what I expect, and that can be tense. Some of the tension is going to come from the gray areas that we're going to come across where it's not so black and white, and we have to embrace some of the give and take of this is probably true, this might be true, this is what God is asking us in this passage, and so some of it's going to come there. Some of it's just going to be tension because your life is different than what Jesus is asking of us. And you're going to have to embrace that and be willing to approach that scripture of like, okay, am I going to keep doing things my way? Am I, going to, am I going to believe my way? Or am I going to step up and accept the challenge and the truth that Jesus is presenting to me in this sermon? And then the third thing, yeah, I hope that we find a way, however long that you've been a Christian, many of you have been Christians your whole lives, maybe decades I hope that this is an opportunity to maybe fall back in love with Jesus and his gospel because what he did and what he does and what he teaches and what he calls us to, it's disruptive and it's transformative in the most beautiful way. And so that's why we're going to dive into this sermon. I'm excited. Um, so let me open us up in prayer. Open us up 10 minutes in. Um, uh, let's pray and then we'll continue <laughs> this morning. Uh, God, we love you, and, and uh, we thank you for your word, for, uh, for the truth that you give us. And I pray that as we digest this, uh, this morning and in the weeks to come, um, that you would um, free us up to embrace whatever tension you might want to stir up in us. God, that, um, that we wouldn't run from it, that we wouldn't uh, push it aside. But God, if there's anything that disagrees with our hearts, that disagrees with our minds, um, that we would be open to the fact that we might be wrong. And even if we've been right, God, maybe there's another level you want to take us to um, in our development and in our walk with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we'll continue on with Matthew chapter 5 there, um, verses 3 to 12. Um, so Jesus uh, begins to teach them, and he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Have you ever experienced anything called Hell Week? I know it's a strange way to kick this off, but um, when I read this passage and started kind of thinking through the, uh, the disruption that Jesus was causing here, I thought of my first um, Hell Week as an athlete. Um, and and they, there's Hell Week with other areas, but that was kind of my context and um, uh, Carter's sitting back there. We were joking this week that all my illustrations are hunting and sports, so I'm trying to get away from that. But uh, today we're going to roll on with it. So I remember um, 
I'm sure growing up, you all kind of experienced what I've experienced where you're playing games, it's in your yard, it's in your living room, it's in your driveway, and you're like, oh man, this is so fun, this is awesome. And then you get old enough for your first organized thing. And for me, I know kids start early, my son's playing baseball, he's eight years old, but for me it was seventh grade football. And I had my first hell week. And that's where you're just running and running and running and then you take a break and then you run and run and run and then you do some push-ups and you do some up-downs and then you do some uh, we call them gassers and you just it's just constant running and I remember thinking is this sports like is this like this isn't what I remember when I was little this is not these are not my memories this isn't what I was expecting my lungs are burning my legs are burning at one point I threw up and it made me feel better and so I'm just trying to figure out like what is this my whole my whole my whole world view of sports was completely in upheaval and somehow it still wasn't enough effort for the coaches I remember them saying Justin Powell we don't see you as a middle of the pack kind of guy and I'm thinking well maybe I am and you just don't know it yet and and I'm just trying to like it was total chaos. Kids were quitting the workouts. They were quitting the team. It was complete upheaval. That's what Jesus did in this first section of the Sermon on the Mount. That's how it's being received. It's immediate mind blown on two sides of the coin. There are those who are benefiting from what he's talking about. Those who are in mourning. Those who are having a hard time in life. Those who are just born into the worst situations. Those uh, who are being oppressed. They're thinking, whoa, this is really different than what I've been experiencing and I kind of like it. There's some upheaval going on and I enjoy what he's doing. But then you've got people on the other side of the coin who are benefiting from the current culture. And they're the ones who are being oppressive. They're the ones who are not showing mercy. They're, They're the ones who are doing whatever it takes to get ahead. And they're hearing this and thinking, Excuse me, they're thinking, this is not how I've grown up. This is not what I've experienced. This is not how I'm getting ahead. I'm not sure if I like this. My entire worldview is being turned upside down. So there's immediate upheaval with this opening passage. And it's contrary to everything that they understood about life and culture and success and religion. And I would imagine that if we confronted some people, even in our country, even in our community, with these truths, they would experience some upheaval in the way that they see life, in the way that they see the world. And that's what was happening. So each one of these, it's called the Beatitudes or the Blessings. Each one of these could be their own sermon. We're not going to do that, okay? That would take a 12-week sermon and make it 20, something like that. So we're going to take it as a whole. If you're interested in diving deeper into the Beatitudes, there's great stuff out there. Um, I've told you about Right Now Media. We have a church subscription to that. There's some great video series on there uh, about the Beatitudes. So feel free to dive into that. Um, But we're going to take it as a whole today. Um, And the Beatitudes, basically, it's all these different blessings. And when we say blessed, when we say blessed, what we're basically saying is that someone is fortunate in God's eyes even if in our eyes they don't appear happy, or even if from our perspective they aren't experiencing good circumstances, but in God's eyes, they're fortunate. And these are interesting because some of these are present tense. If you look at verse 3, verses 10 and 11, it's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff now. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's present tense, but the ones in the middle are future tense. They will be comforted. They will inherit the earth. So it's all stuff that's going to happen as the kingdom comes to fruition. So there's an important note to keep in mind as we go through not only the Beatitudes, but the entire Sermon on the Mount, that the kingdom is about life now and later. Okay, The Sermon on the Mount is at the same time a path and the destination, just as Jesus is both our path 
and our destination. If you're ever going to tweet something, that's a good one to tweet, right? The kingdom, that the sermon is a path and a destination, just like Jesus is our path and our destination. That's so good. That's so good. If we were a Southern Baptist church, you guys would be excited about that one. I didn't mean that you had to clap. I'm just saying, if we were, we're a Southeast Michigan non-denominational church, and I'm good with that. So basically, this is how things should be now, and this is how they will be later, starting with the Beatitudes, but that's the theme that we'll continue to come back to. Um, So let's just fly by each one real quick just to gain a general understanding of uh, kind of where they go. So blessed, so fortunate in God's eyes, in the right place in God's eyes, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's those who recognize that they have no spiritual or religious ground to stand on before God, but they are spiritually bankrupt without him. They are spiritually sick, which is exactly where they need to be in order to receive the best help from a doctor. Later on in Matthew, in chapter 9, Jesus says, I didn't, I'm a doctor. I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. Now, he's not saying that some people are sinful and some people are not. What he's saying is that some people are sinful and they know it, and some people are sinful and they refuse to acknowledge it. Jesus can't help them. There's a lot of roadblocks there. He's saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who recognize it and are willing to admit it. They'll receive the kingdom. They'll experience what we're intended to experience in life. Why? Because the blockages, the pride and the greed and the denial, all the things that block us from understanding who we really are without Christ, those are out of the way. And we can truly experience what we're supposed to experience in Christ. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. That's those who see and experience the difficulties of life and are willing to experience the sadness of the real-world situations around them. Now, that can be big things like, like mourning the loss of a loved one, death, and that can be everyday things, everyday loss, everyday guilt, the things that we carry around. Blessed are those who mourn. They're willing to see it, willing to experience it in all its reality. They'll be comforted. Why? Because they know the outcome. They know what the end looks like. They know who wins, and they receive perspective about their current situations. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Now, this is a major flip of the script. You could apply this to our culture as well. The meek, those, that's those who are humble, who are other-centered, who aren't fighting for their own advancement, but they're thinking of the bigger picture. This is so opposite of culture. It was true then, it's true now. We have a culture where people are loud and they're obnoxious, and it's like, hear me, I'm gonna get mine, right? That's how we live And so Jesus flips it and said, blessed are the meek, blessed are the humble. They're going to inherit the earth. Why? Because everything that we work for on our own behalf on this planet, it's all temporary. None of it lasts. But the things of the kingdom we will enjoy forever, long term. And Jesus and his kind of full life, that's our inheritance. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's those who are desperate for the things of God and whose lives are driven by a need for Jesus. There's a hunger for right things. There's a hunger for the things of God. They'll be filled. They will experience life as it was meant to be experienced. In John 10.10, Jesus says, I came to give give life and life abundant, life to the full. That's what we'll experience by hungering and thirsting for the things of God. We'll get the life that we were supposed to experience. Blessed are the merciful. And mercy is a major theme throughout the Bible. And that's basically seeing man, seeing your fellow man as God sees you. As broken, 
as lost but in need of a break. And we get that from God. We receive his mercy. We receive his forgiveness. And he wants, that to off- he wants us to offer that to others as well. Blessed are the pure in heart. This is about motives. It's being motivated by what God wants and what Jesus would do. They will see God. He will be the reward, not of a life lived perfectly, but of a life lived with his heart in his eyes. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. John 13, 35, Jesus says, they will know that you're my disciples. They'll know that you're following me by the way that you love each other. Not by being quarrelsome and argumentative, not by bickering, not by, by being gossipy, but by loving and forgiving, seeking reconciliation, ASAP, initiating it and receiving it well. Blessed are the peacemakers. I tell you what, just as an aside, we can be a completely different kind of church from most churches in the world just by being a church of peacemakers, right? Just by loving each other. Blessed are those who are persecuted, who, who have people saying things about you, who, are, who have people insulting you. It was done to the obedient ones in the Old Testament. It was done to the obedient ones in the New Testament. It was done to Jesus. And so what an honor to be worthy of that ourselves. Blessed are those who are persecuted on behalf of Christ. And so a different take to all those. Blessed are those who place no hope in this world. Blessed are those who allow themselves to see and feel the brokenness of this world. Blessed are those who don't fight, cheat, and scheme to succeed in this world. Blessed are those who strive for justice, mercy, kindness, and truth. Blessed are those who assume the best and seek to understand others and are quick to forgive. Blessed are the people who have not been corrupted, who can still see beauty and whose hearts lean toward that which is right and loving and good. Blessed are those who seek reconciliation between God and humanity and between friends and neighbors. Blessed are those who will push through suffering and bear a little shame in order to pursue the kingdom of God on earth. The kingdom is different. It doesn't emphasize the things of this world, but it emphasizes the things of God. It it reaps a different harvest and surpasses the usual things that we expect out of life. These beatitudes, these blessings are a call for things to be different now. I'm sure you've noticed, but have you noticed how people who think that they're all that spiritually really have the most to hide? Have you noticed that people who pretend not to be phased by anything are really the most jaded and hurt on the inside? Have you noticed that cocky, arrogant people always seem to win, but when they win, something just feels off? It doesn't seem right. Have you noticed that those who approach life with ulterior motives, who lack mercy and lack understanding, who pursue things selfishly, they seem to do okay, but it's just hurting the rest of us in the process? In these Beatitudes, God says, I've noticed it too, and it's all coming to an end. It's not the way it's supposed to be. It's not the way it's going to be. Things are different in my world. The people who abuse and take advantage of others and who cause pain and take credit they don't deserve and who fake it, people who power up and get loud in order to get their way, they have it wrong. I know it seems like they're getting it. I know it seems like they're getting their way and succeeding and advancing, but they have it wrong. God says, I'm blessing those who were hurt, who are abused, who give credit to others, who heal wounds, who do, who do things for the right reasons, even when it hurts. And he says, when you live my way, it's going to seem like you're unworthy in the world around you. It's going to seem like you're missing out. It's going to seem like you don't measure up with where you're supposed to be going. But you're mine, and I own your heart, and I have the final say, and that's all that matters. 
It's different. It's counterintuitive, but it's better. And it's right. And it's how it will be. And God says, it's how I want you to be now as we bring about the kingdom. So a few, a few realities that we have to keep in mind for this section and, and as we go through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, first one, a um, couple pages over in Matthew chapter 7 towards the end of this sermon. Matthew seven thirteen to 14. You'll probably recognize this if you've been around the church world for any amount of time. Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. First reality is this. This is not an easy or popular road. Even today, this is not easy. This is not popular. There was resistance back then. There will certainly be resistance now. Now, maybe not the intense persecution here in Southeast Michigan that maybe there is in other parts of the world, but it's still there. It may be more in the form of, why the heck would I live like that? The merciful don't advance. The peacemakers don't advance. Why would I want to live this way? comes in the form of blaming God and blaming Jesus for things when he's the one offering the greatest answers. And this is not a kingdom that people are knocking down the doors to get in. Some of it's in the form of resistance, but some of it is just in the form of tension that we all experience as we read this because it feels good right now when I say, blessed are the merciful and you need mercy. You're down with that. But as we move on through the Sermon on the Mount, I'm going to tell you that if you're lusting after a woman, you're cheating on your wife. And I'm going to tell you that if you're mad at your brother and sister or your neighbor, you're defiling the image of God in them and you're murdering the image of God in them. That part's not going to be as fun. And so it's not just a difficult road because people reject it. It's a difficult road because we want to reject it. And so it's going to be difficult. And so we have to cling to the people and the places Places where we get support and encouragement and accountability. That's why, you know, when we push the small groups, it's fun. There's connection. We get together and have chips and salsa and watch a fun video and talk about it. That's all part of it. But part of it is to have people in your life and be like, bro, your life doesn't match up with the kingdom we're all pursuing together. Hey, sister, there's another level you can get to. That's part of what this group thing is about. That's the environment that we need to be a part of where we are known and we can know and we can push and pull and challenge each other and try to advance this kingdom together, the kingdom that is coming then but should be happening here now in our lives and in our communities. It's not an easy road. Second thing, right at the end of chapter 7 there, Matthew 7, 28 and 29, this is the conclusion of the sermon, kind of a summarizing statement. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. There was something different and amazing about this man. Something different and amazing. It wasn't someone making conjecture. It wasn't presenting an idea or an opinion or interpretation or some fluff. This was real. People sensed this was different because their religious leaders would talk about all this same stuff, but it was always, I think that this is what the scriptures mean. I think that this is where we should go, and these are the traditions that we should add, and these are the rules that we should follow. Jesus comes along and says, this is how it is. This is real. This is right, as if the truth was coming straight from the source because it was. For those of you skiers, this is the difference between Mount Brighton and the Rockies. 
You know it when you're there, right? This is legit. For you moviegoers, this is the difference between Sharknado and Jaws. <laughs> One that's just thrown together. It's junior hires drinking Red Bull and writing a movie script together. And the other is like Oscar-worthy stuff. When you see it, you know the difference. This is real. This is legit. For you readers, for you history buffs, this is the difference between somebody's biased, not very well-read blog and an autobiography, right? Because you're reading from somebody who was there. I finished a book a few weeks ago um, written by the guy who ended up pulling the trigger on Osama bin Laden. Now, I've read about that event. I've heard about that event, but to read it in black and white from the guy who was there, who lived it, who had to experience all of those things, there's a different power, right? There's a different energy in that account. There's different authority. There's different impact when it's coming straight from the source. You know the good stuff when you see it and you hear it and you taste it. You know it's right, and that's what this sermon is. It's the truth. It's the realities we're supposed to be embracing straight from the source. And so a challenge for you. I don't know where you're at in your life. Don't cling to the weak stuff when there's truth that will set you free. Don't hang back with the weak stuff. There's something greater. There's something different about Jesus. And if you will embrace it and cling to it and follow it, everything can be different. And that brings me to the last reminder. Um, the band's going to come and, and close us in a song, but I, I want to throw this, this is an important note out there. Um, because in a, in a series like this, uh, with a topic like this, it's easy to get off track of what the gospel is really all about. But in Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. And so basically, salvation is through faith alone in Jesus alone. Now, the Sermon on the Mount gives the impression that there's a lot of actions that we can do to get to Jesus. That's not what this series is about. Actions are great. Living right is great. But this is the kingdom. This is the source. This is the life we pursue. But our actions and our choices, they can't save us. Only our faith and belief in Jesus Christ can save us. The Sermon on the Mount is about living that out. But it has to start in your heart. It has to start with experience a belief in Jesus. And so we'll do this throughout the series. I'll remind us of this. Um, but I want to give you an opportunity this morning because I don't know who walked in here this morning. I don't know where you're coming from or what your religious background is. I don't know how you feel about God. Maybe you've been living the weak stuff. And this is an opportunity for you to embrace the truth and the source of that truth in Jesus. So if you do me a favor and bow your head and close your eyes, I want to pray with you. And if you've never made the decision to give your heart, your life to Christ, maybe you have and you need to come back to it this morning. Just in the quietness of your heart, pray something like this. Just say, God, I need you. I believe Jesus came for me. I believe he died for me. I believe he is the way and the truth and the life. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. And from this day forward, help me to live this out in a way that expresses my love and devotion for you. God, bring the kingdom of heaven into my life and then let my life be an expression of that kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, if that's a decision that you made this morning, we'd love to hear about it. You got a connection card in your bulletin coming in. 
Um, let us know, even if it's just something you're praying through, something you're struggling with, something you're wondering about. Um, we want to partner with you. We want to come alongside you and help you in any way that we can. So just fill that out. There's a black box on the info center table back there. You can um, drop that in. Um, make yourself known. This is not a journey, whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or 50 seconds. This is not a path that we're supposed to walk alone. We're supposed to embrace it together. So let us know. Um, as we go with this, God, guys, it's a, it's a copycat world, right? Throughout human history, people have sought to advance their kingdoms and usually have done it through broken methods. And we see, when, when people see a little bit of success in that, they copy it and they follow it. And so they see broken methods yielding a little bit of results and they follow that. But we have an opportunity to do it a new way, in God's way. And if we will love this Jesus and live his way, we can show our families and our friends a whole other way. And if we show that the new way is truly better, That'll become the copycat thing, and that'll be the thing that people want to attach themselves to. So let's give truth a chance to rub off on others, and it can only be done by living it, and we can become a tangible embodiment of the kingdom of heaven as we go through this. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this morning. I pray that as, uh, as we continue in this series, you just continue to mess with us in, the, in a really healthy way. And as we close in singing this morning, we just declare our love and our devotion for you because, God, there is no one like you. You are true and you are right and you are faithful, and we acknowledge that this morning. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.